Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace. Kane, Shane, and Nelly back again. And we are going to go through that same format just as a quick preview. We're doing team up, team down week, uh, week three victory laps, and then two players to monitor. So we got a uh, great show here. So uh, let's just get right to it. Who wants to go first? Who is your team up this week? Uh, I can go first if you want. I I think it's LSU. Uh, was a, kind of a big week for them after losing to Florida State in the first week. I was like, eh, you know, is this team any good? And you know, they, they went up against Grambling. Like, who cares? But this past week, going up against Mississippi State, who's not a great team, it's still an SEC team, absolutely just dominated them. I think LSU, you can make an argument they're the best team in the SEC. Malik Neighbors, 13 catches, 239 yards, two touchdowns. Jaden Daniels looked like a new man that he could actually throw the ball. I think they have a lot of offensive firepower. Brian Thomas, uh, Logan Diggs from Notre Dame looks good. I think LSU, and they obviously have some five-star defensive talents. So I think LSU is a team on the rise that could maybe win the SEC and even be a playoff team despite the loss. I'll, I'll go next because I'm also in the SEC here. Uh, I want to talk about Missouri. Um, Missouri, big win, uh, last second 61-yard field goal to beat 15th-ranked Kansas State. Um, I watched most of this game. Like, Missouri looked good. Like, their defense was flowing to the ball. Uh, the offense was finally starting to move. Luther Burden is being who we wanted Luther Burden to be last year. Uh, um, he's exceptional. I think Missouri's really starting to click right now. Um, it was a really, really fun game to watch. Uh, worth noting, they also won this game over Kansas State after losing both of their starting guards in the game, too. Um, so just a, a really solid performance from Missouri. Yeah, I actually had LSU as my first game. I think it's important to remember with that Florida State game as well. Uh, they had a ton of possessions where they left points on the board. That game could have gone really differently if they, if those like fourth and goals went differently. Um, but I'll give a different team. I'll give you Oklahoma. Uh, I think Oklahoma is by far the best team in the Big Twelve right now. Them in Texas, I guess so. I guess the SEC goers. But Oklahoma offenses look very good. Dylan Gabriel is a very good college quarterback. Uh, kind of underrated, and they have overperformed. I mean, they've they've destroyed Tulsa. They destroyed SMU. They blew out whoever they played in the first week. Uh, but it's been it's been really good. I think this is a team that come conference play will will keep humming. I think it's a top ten team in the country. 
Also, they beat SMU 28 to 11. So let's not say that they destroyed SMU. I mean, that's three possessions. They're a sure. ranked team. Only they score 28 points. SMU's they, a they, conference they, opponent. They covered the spread. That's what made me mad because I bet on SMU. SMU is a pretty good team. I mean, holding SMU, the defense holding SMU to 11 points is, is impressive. The offense only scoring 28 is suspect. Oh, I didn't know this was your impressive team, Kane. <laughs> uh, they weren't impressive last week. That's why no one talked about them. Shane, well. who's your team down? Uh, we're going to have a first already on the show. I'm going to have the same team down. I think I had week one (laughs) and that's Tennessee, uh, Tennessee stocks. Like they're bad. We got spoiled last year thinking Tennessee was a good team and program. And I mean, they got beat by a Florida team that also really sucks. That's not very good. Um, Joe Milton is not it like, my bad on that. You know, I swung at the 1% lottery ticket, but he's out. He's out of my top 15 quarterbacks for the 2024 draft. Like he's out. Um, he, he does not look like he can competently understand when to run the ball or how to throw the ball. Like their weapons aren't getting open as much. The system just is not working offensively, defensively. They're, they don't have the talent or the horses, I think, to compete in the SEC. I think Tennessee is going to be a 500 team this year, and that's pretty rough for expectations. Anelli, who's your team down? I'm debating. I'm debating doing the funniest possible thing here. Um, it's not. It wouldn't be that funny. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll go with Alabama. I see, you're wondering. <laughs> uh, Alabama is just not Alabama that they used to be. Uh, it sounds like Jalen Milrow is going to be back as the starting quarterback there, but the the problems go beyond the quarterback. You know, they, the running game is is not as good as it used to be. The receivers, no one has really stepped up. I mean, Isaiah Bond looks decent outside of that. It's it's still kind of painful. It's just the, the Alabama used to dominate with talent, and it seems like the talent just isn't there like it used to be. Like they're they're going into or they're playing Ole Miss this week, like. I would not be surprised at all if they lost that game. Uh, they're outside of the top 10 for the first time in a very long time, losing games in September is something they don't normally do. And I mean, they looked terrible last week against USF. USF is not like USF is not some strong G5 program. They're, they're weak. Like they will probably go under 500 in the AAC this year. Um, and, and they had three points up until midway through the third quarter. It, it was, it was brutal. Like even if the quarterback play is poor, like, Alabama of old would throw zero passes and run all over USF. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, I I'm gonna do this hesitantly, but I we have to talk about Florida State. Like this past week for Florida State was rough. Like Florida State doesn't score a point in the fourth quarter. What is happening? Right? Like, that was a rough game. 
for Florida State. Uh, I they could barely run the ball. Like Jordan Travis was not that great passing the ball. Wide receivers couldn't really get open. Um, when their best receiver is Jaheim Bell, you know things aren't looking great. And not like a knock to Jaheim Bell, but we're like guys that we were hyping up, right? Keon Coleman, like Johnny Wilson had a couple of good catches, but for the most part, like he didn't, he didn't get open a lot. Um, props to Boston College for playing a really good game, but like this is real suspect when your number three overall team in college football is scoring zero points in an entire quarter against a non-ranked opponent in their own conference. Like, I don't know what this means. Like, next week they're facing Clemson. So, I, if they're having struggles against the Boston College defense, they're going to struggle against the Clemson defense then. So, I don't know. Maybe you guys have thoughts about Florida State. It, I just think it was a rough game for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, th- I don't think the offense was as, quite as rough as you made it sound. I mean, you're right about the weapons. Like Boston College just doubled Keon Coleman, and they didn't even try to get the ball to him, uh, which that's not great. You're just giving it, uh, yeah. But then you, but they, do. then you, then you have to have other players winning one on one coverages, right? And it just wasn't happening as often as you would assume on a top team, right? Uh, so I I just thought it was it was real rough. The fourth quarter was just disgusting. Yeah, yeah, no, it's rough. I I think I think they bounced back. I think they overlooked Boston College and their defense couldn't tackle a running a running quarterback, which was surprising after they kept Jane Daniels in check. So I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird game. Yeah, I don't I don't know. The whole thing was just gross for me watching that. So, um, what do we got next? Uh, let's do a week three victory lap. Who are we victory lapping, Shane? Well, I'm gonna victory lap. Uh, I'm gonna piggyback off my team down and victory lap uh, on Nelly here. Uh, Tre- Trevor Etienne is gonna be my victory lap 23 rushes, 172 yards, and touchdown. Not the RB2 on Florida. The clear-cut RB1 there for the Florida Gators. Uh, Etienne looked pretty spectacular. Had, you know, Honestly, even though he didn't catch a pass, looked a lot like his brother did when, when Travis Etienne really broke out. Um, I think if you're Florida, hopefully you aren't dumb. Just keep handing the ball to this guy, and you could maybe win the next four games. So I, I think Etienne looks like an NFL player. I don't know if Florida has a program is good enough to get him to like a first or second round pick. Um, if this will continue, I don't really trust them, but uh, I'll victory lap the talent here. Uh, I'm going to put on my petty cap here and I'm going to be very petty with this victory lap. Um, my victory lap is Drew Alar. Didn't think he was the greatest quarterback of this class. Uh, barely completes 50% of his passes against Illinois, like, I don't think he's as strong of a quarterback. I think it really makes me worried for that entire quarterback class of 2025. 
Um, I, I just didn't think he was good. And I didn't, Shane and I had words, I know on the uh, other podcast as well, about him having Drew Alar so high. I didn't understand it. Um, and I feel slightly vindicated. Just wait for my buy this week. Is it? If it's fucking Drular, I swear. Get ready, baby. Oh, my God. Um, okay, I will... I don't know. I think this week I'm going to tentatively victory lab Xavier Worthy under the context of... I still think he's locked in as the third wide receiver in that class. Um... I think he's still pretty strongly Texas's top target. That's a good Texas team as well. Um, and, I mean, Quinn Ewers is still – Quinn Ewers has improved, but he's still not fantastic. And I think Xavier Worthy has, has helped out Quinn Ewers' numbers this year to an extent. Um, so he, he's been productive through – he's been steady through, through the three games so far. It's still a couple drops, but drops, are, drops aren't sticky. Uh, neither is neither are his hands, but um, it's whatever. I don't care about drops. We can move on from drops. Uh, Shane, who are your two players that you're monitoring this week? I'll, I'll start with kind of a big one, and that's Quinshawn Judkins. Um, less than three yards per carry against Georgia Tech. You know, he's splitting carries again. Obviously, like with Zach Evans, we were expecting it. They brought in Ulysses Bentley. And Judkins is clearly the RB1 there. But, you know, they're giving carries to other people. Judkins has not been very effective this season. He's, I think for the season, he's less than three and a half yards a carry. And like, I, I don't think which Judkins was ever the super athletic guy, right? So, I worry as being a high-devy draft pick, if he doesn't have the production, uh, especially in these early games, he's getting the carries, like... Is it going to be enough? At least he's scoring touchdowns, I guess. But I'm going to monitor him. You know, maybe SEC play comes in, rips up Bama, and we're like, oh, there we go. There's there's the top guy. Uh, but Quinshaw Judkins for the 2025 class, a little worried. Um, I think another one to monitor we saw kind of break out in the North Carolina game this week is uh, junior Nate McCollum, wide receiver, who's playing the role we expected Devontae Walker to play in that offense, obviously, Tez Walker wasn't allowed to play this season by the stupid NCAA. Um, and, you know, l- luckily, the Minnesota Golden Gophers are on a bye this week. So, Nate McCollum did this just against air, but 15 catches for 165 yards and a touchdown this week. Um, someone to monitor, I think, could really break out, has the speed athleticism and works within the system pretty well. Uh, Nelly, you're going to have to go next. Uh, that was one of mine, so now i got to find someone new. Uh, sorry, King. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go freshman. First one will be Dante Moore, who has been very good through three weeks. Uh, true freshman. Uh, I think the only true freshman is the locked-in starting quarterback uh, among Power 5 teams. Um, where's, he plays, where's, where's he at? He's playing Utah this week. Oh, okay. For UCLA, right? Yes. Dante Moore for UCLA playing Utah. Um and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he plays against a very legit Utah defense this week. They've had cupcakes so far this year. So really is his first true test. Um, and I guess J. Michael Sturdivant kind of goes along with that, his top target. 
Um, other name I'll throw out there is LJ Martin, running back at BYU, um, who is the has been named the starter at uh, BYU, who upset Arkansas this past week. He had, uh, I think, 23 carries and two touchdowns. Uh, big guy, uh, 6'2", over 200 pounds as a true freshman. Um, I think that's a pretty valuable role. They're obviously a, a Power 5 team now. Uh, and starting this early and being pretty productive is impressive. So he's someone who I am monitoring moving forward. They have another another big-ish game this week. They play Kansas, so uh, first-ever Big 12 game. Uh, I think he goes over 20 carries again. Uh, so I have a pair of running backs here, uh, which is very unlike me. Um, first one I want to talk about is Jonathan Brooks, the uh, running back at Texas. Uh, worth noting, he's facing Wyoming, and for the most part, Wyoming's actually a pretty solid run defense. Um, the head coach, obviously, at Wyoming was the head coach at North Dakota State. The offensive coordinator at Wyoming was the offensive line coach at Iowa. Um, so they have a pretty good coaching pedigree there. Um, and Jonathan Brooks just ran all over him. He looked great. Um, there was not really anyone else on that entire team that was really getting uh, touches at running back. Um, Jaden Blue saw a few touches, but for the most part, Jonathan Brooks looked really, really good. Um, and he has for, for most of the season here. So really curious to see, you know, if we start hearing that NFL buzz about potentially like a guy like Jonathan Brooks, um, curious to see how, how that kind of starts to move forward here. Um, uh, is he a redshirt sophomore? Yeah. Redshirt sophomore right now. So. Um, curious to see if that means he goes in the draft or if he continues to succeed. Um, averaging over five yards a carry, obviously faced uh, Alabama last week. Scored a touchdown, 50 yards. Not like the greatest um, effort, but only at 14 carries. So um, kind of something for him to build on. Other one I want to talk about is uh, we're going to travel to Kentucky. Um, and Ray Davis, I think, is is pretty exciting to me. Um, obviously he hasn't got like a, a ton of touches. Um, you know, this past week, uh, was super efficient, seven carries, 72 yards and a touch and obviously only facing Akron, but, um, adds in a really long reception. He's had, uh, three receptions in each of his first three games. So he's been active in the, uh, in the passing game and he's a senior too. So I'm, I'm curious if this becomes one of those guys that we're drafting, um, you know, fourth round. Uh, in in rookie drafts, and you know, if if we happen to have him on on our C two C teams, I think this is a guy that's going to end up being on some NFL rosters. Um, I th- I think he's going to end up getting drafted kind of day three, and, and and he just kind of is is one of those guys when we want any running back on a fifty three man roster. I, I think you nailed it on the head. That's a really good one. Uh, any any thoughts on uh, any of the guys that, that were brought up, Nelly? You got any thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I, I I agree with Shane's agreement. I, Ray Davis has been very consistently good for years now. Um, so once he takes that leap, I, I think he'll end up on a roster too. For sure. Like, he's he f- really feels like that guy that, kind of gets potentially like late third round, early fourth round is where he's going to be drafted in, in rookie drafts because he's probably going to end up being a, you know, a day three guy uh, is my guess. But you never know, right? Uh, but he, I'm going to have him on just a ton of teams. 
because he's just consistent. He's solid. Um, that is, that's that portion. Shane, do you want to uh, teach us something? Yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna learn about uh, a, a French woman uh, t- today, uh, Julie Diabigny, uh, which I'm probably saying wrong without you know French accent, but. Had some some wild things in her life. She was a, a master fencer, so she was so good at fencing that men didn't believe she was a woman. So she would just go topless, so they would know she was a woman um, who was beating them. She married a man early in her life who was forced to move away for work. So she was on the run with her lover, who was her fencing instructor. He killed a guy in a duel. So she hid by becoming an opera star and became one of the biggest opera stars in France. She actually had an affair with a merchant's daughter, which, you know, for the time was um, unheard of. And so much so that this, uh, this merchant sent his daughter off to a convent to become a nun to kind of separate them. Um, you know, we're talking 17th century here. So Julie infiltrated the convent uh, and set it on fire to free, and they both ran away. Uh, that was her way of kind of dealing with it. And she actually be pardoned by King Louis the Fourteenth, the Sun King, um, for this. She actually would would duel men who would challenge her because she would kiss women, and she did all this before she was seventeen years old. So th- that's just the beginning of her life. Um, eventually, she would be have to be pardoned by the king again for uh, killing someone in a duel. And she had a long relationship as an opera star with the most beautiful woman in France, kind of one of the celebrities of France. And uh, uh, did that. So just a crazy, crazy life out there of debaucherous things for 17th century France. I love that. That's fun. Um, Just before we move on to this, I just have a quick question because Whitney and I were talking about burgers earlier. And in case you're wondering, we're recording this on the 18th, which is actually a National Burger Day. Um, so I'm just curious to you guys, if you are making the perfect burger, you only get three toppings um, and you, cheese wouldn't be one of those toppings if you want to put cheese on it. What toppings are you putting on your burger? I can go first because this answer is already in my head. Um, yeah, go for it. I'm going fried mushrooms, fried mushrooms, fried onions and Swiss cheese. That to me is just a killer combination. It's good. Um, I love that burger. It's it's a top burger for me. I think I'm going pepper jack cheese, caramelized onions, and some sliced pickles on the burger. I know pickles are that's controversial, perhaps, but I, I, I know. But I, I I do like pickles on a burger. Give me uh, give me cheddar cheese. Bacon and a fried egg. One day we'll get into my opinions on cheddar cheese, but I don't <laughs> think this today. is the time for it. This is not the day. A fried egg's a, a good call. That that's, that could be it's a nice addition to anything. Yeah, it's, it has to do a lot of work because cheddar cheese really bringing that burger down. But. Uh, We'll, we'll talk about that a, a different time. Um, let's move into our buy, sell, and unknown stock here. Um, Shane, what do you got for me? Like, I'm buying Drew Alar. I, I'm, if, if you have someone that listens to this podcast is listening to Kane 
I would still buy in. Illinois is a tough defense with multiple NFL defenders. Uh, I think Alars looked the part. He's run the football. Uh, I think he is the top quarterback in 2025, and some quarterbacks go in top five in, 20, in the 2025 draft. You know, I think Alar is it. So I think if you're not competing, not contending, and you have, you know, one of these kind of fringe, the Daniel Jones type, you know, I think you could trade Daniel Jones and get Drew Alar, maybe even a Debbie pick in return, uh, Jared Goff, someone like that. If you don't need points this year, I think there's ways to go. We've talked about it for two weeks on the second podcast. Worth signing up on the Discord for some really in-depth conversation of what to do with Puka Nakua. He's a sell for me. I think you should try to sell him um, now or relatively soon before Cooper Cup returns. In a dynasty league, I would offer Puka Nakua for every first-round pick for every team. Someone hits yes. I feel good. Um, I, you can even trade him for Cooper Cup, which I don't think is a bad move if you're, uh, you know, a contender and you have a lot of depth where you can withstand that loss short term is kind of interesting to me. My unknown is uh, Ruben Owens, running back for Texas A&M, true freshman, five-star recruit, kind of kind of the five-star running back that got left behind. I think Nelly took him in a bunch of drafts because Nelly loves the kind of the five-star freshman and. You know, he's splitting carries with, with Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss, but he's been the most effective and, to me, the best running back on that team. Uh, so, I, you know, I wonder if he's going to get more run in the season and we see that value really increase for Ruben Owens. But, you know, I'm not sure if I'm willing to maybe trade, you know, a Justice Haynes for Ruben Owens or something like that, um, Debbie-wise right now. So I, I'm not sure what to do with him, but he's on my radar here. Uh, Nelly, you you want to go? Feel free. Yeah. Um, breaking. Oh, by the way, I was wrong. I wanted to correct myself earlier. Jaden Rashado, also a Power 5 starter, although temporarily not while he's hurt. Um, but, okay, buying. Breaking a, a rule of mine where I avoid G5 guys in, in Devi. But Torrey Horton is a bona fide stud. Torrey Horton at Colorado State wide receiver. Uh, exploded against Colorado because, of course, he did. He, he's he's way too good to be playing at Colorado State. Uh, he was a stud last year. He was very good at Nevada for a couple of years, even when they had some NFL players in, in uh, Cole Turner and Romeo Dubs uh, at wide receiver ahead of him on the pecking order. I, I think at this point, I like I day two is almost expected. Um, from my perspective, like he, he's that good. He's 6'2", 180. He's got, he's a good route runner, but he's got speed to take the top off as well. Uh, we see, we see, I think there were three G five guys that went day two last year. It happens every year. These guys go day two. Um, and I, I think Tory Horton is, is the best in the country or among the G five ranks. Um, my cell is going to be Quinn Ewers. Uh, and this is based on the fact that I think his value is slightly inflated off of that Alabama game a couple of weeks ago. Um, but he still has uh, a lot of flaws in his game. He still has a lot of improvement uh, to make before he, he's in the first round conversation. And so I'd rather sell him right now rather than hope for that development to happen. Um, my unknown is running back Damian Martinez at Oregon State. Uh, who is very good. 
uh, has had 100 yards in each each of the, their three games this year on, on limited volume and has actually caught three passes this year, which is one less than he did all of last year. So there's a little bit of improvement there. I just I don't know what level of this is um, – like we've seen good players at Oregon State in the past at, at the running back position, and they've never really translated to the NFL level. Now there's like different staffs. It doesn't matter that much, but it's just like I don't know how far up he belongs in Debbie um, for production versus talent here. Uh, my buy this week is – the top 2024 20, wide receivers. I think they're all just really, really good. Um, so for me, that's Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, that's Emeka Buka. That's uh, Troy Franklin, Malik Neighbors, uh, Romeo Dunze, uh, Jalen McMillan. Um, like all these guys, just really, really good. Like they've all played very well this year. Um, if you have guys. If like if you're not competing on the NFL side and you have some of those um, older wide receivers, your Keenan Allen's, your Devontae Adams, like try and get some of these guys. Um, if you're not competing on the NFL side, really go for it and and see what you can do. Um, my sell might be a tad controversial, but uh, I'm selling Trey Benson. I don't think he's been great. Um, and I think we have a very large cluster of running backs in the 2024 class right now. And I'm not sure who's going to shine. So I'd rather just get a, one of them off my team. And I think Trey Benson's that guy right now. I just don't think he's played up to the hype. I think the hype and his value are uh, higher than, than what I believe they should be. So he's my sell. Um, my unknown, feel free to, to weigh in here, but um, Brew McCoy, the uh, senior wide receiver at, at Tennessee, like I, he has talent. We've obviously seen that he's bounced around schools a lot. Um, I, I don't know what to do with them. Had a, had a solid game last week against Florida, five receptions, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Like he's an athletic cat. Um, I just don't know. Like, I don't know if he, cracks into this top you know day two pick i don't know if i see it um but i also don't know what else to do with him uh because i think he's athletic enough to like if he sneaks in there are we are we then buying him if we, he happens to get day two capital and if our, we already missed the boat um so i kind of have a lot of questions on brew mccoy right now and i feel bad because joe milton's the quarterback so it's hard to like punish him for Joe Milton being bad. Well, we might long. get Nico before long. Yeah, we'll see. But I like Brew McCoy a lot. Like, I think Brew McCoy yeah. is incredibly athletic. Like, he's a solid wide receiver. Um, still a lot of questions. That's a good one. Uh, any other comments before uh, we close up the show here? No, I, I, th- I think we're good. I hope everyone's enjoying the new format. I think we're hitting a lot of information pretty quick, so it's going well. Yeah, excited for this next week because we have a lot of good games, which we did not have yeah. this week. Yeah, I'm excited for Ohio State to be Notre Dame. A lot of like 40 points. So, Huh. 
All right. Um, <laughs> that's it for us here at the Diving Marketplace. Make sure you join the Discord wherever you're listening to this. Click in the description. Uh, join for free. The Discord's absolutely free to join. So uh, come in there. Let's talk about some football. Absolutely love uh, talking with the cats in there. So but that's it for us at the Devi Marketplace. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate every single one of you.